Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. The moment he walked into the room, I knew that something was wrong with Daryl. I had a very, very strong feeling that he was not a safe person. And yet, I was young enough and not verbal enough to be able to describe the feeling that I was having to my parents. And so I literally remember feeling like I was having a visceral reaction to him, like very, very adverse reaction. I did not want Daryl anywhere near me. And there he was brushing my hair. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Hi there. Welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. So today I wanted to talk with you for a few minutes about a topic that is really near and dear to my heart, but also really relevant to life in general and very relevant to business intuition and paying attention to the invisible hand. Now, some people might be wondering, what does this have to do with business? Well, in my opinion, it has everything to do with decision-making and keeping ourselves on the right track and making new decisions that are the right decisions. I think intuition can play a really big role in our business and in our work lives. And I think It's really easy to get disconnected from intuition. Life is busy, things pile on, especially if we are under stress or we've got a lot going on in life that's keeping our attention occupied. It's really easy to either turn off or tune out of our intuition and to miss the ways that the, first of all, to miss communications and miss the ways that the universe is trying to support us. And I'm a firm believer that when we're clear on what we're here to do and create, the universe actively supports us in that. And that doesn't mean that we don't have obstacles. Sometimes obstacles are the way, but meaning that we have opportunities and information provided to us to support our path. And if we're not paying attention, we might miss it. So let's start by talking about intuition. In my mind, intuition is really, first of all, it's an extension of ourselves. It's the way that we are connected to the universe, one of the ways. And it's also a method for receiving communication and receiving feedback, right? So intuition, I really, when I picture human beings on this planet, I see threads woven between all of us. And there are different ways that we receive communication, but in the form of ideas, in the form of gut instincts, in the form of multiple ways that both energy and information travels, intuition is a huge part of 
receiving those communications and sometimes sending communications. So intuition for me has operated um, pretty consistently throughout my life. Now we all have intuition. I think some people think, oh, others are intuitive or others are more intuitive. And while it might be true that some people do have more skills when it comes to intuition, I think they are just somebody that is more practiced at paying attention to their intuition, right? Just a little more so than others. But we all have intuition and we can all access it. In my experience, intuition can show up in a variety of ways. To me, it often looks like a new thought, an instinct, a new idea. It pops in often when your mind is busy actually doing something else, working on something else. You've probably heard the term intuitive hit, right? And intuition does kind of hit. You can feel like you've been hit out of the blue with an idea, a gut instinct, a piece of information, or maybe a question. It generally doesn't look like common thoughts you've already had, recurring thought patterns, rumination, something that's kind of old hat that is a, a consistent brain pattern or thinking pattern for you. Think of intuition as a message that has been delivered generally at unusual times and in new ways. Not always, but that's my experience. Now, whether or not it is received, whether or not that communication is received is a different issue. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But intuition can sometimes be the first thought that you have in response to thinking about a problem or a question or trying to figure out a path forward. Um, and it can also be a thought or intuitive hit that happens when you're not trying to solve the problem. And in my experience, that's more often when it's likely to arrive, is when you're not actively thinking, you're not actively in your analytical brain thinking about the problem, working on solutions. For me, intuition is much more linked to openness, creativity. You know, maybe it's in a brainstorm session, but again, a brainstorm session is really different than analytical thinking. And so the way that intuition works often is that it shows up at times when we're not necessarily actively thinking about the problem or looking for a solution. And this is why it can be a little bit tough to pay attention to. So your brain gets busy working on things. When you've got a problem to solve, your brain gets busy working on things. And the beautiful part about our brain is that even when we're not actively thinking about something, we still often have wheels turning in the back of our mind actually working on the problem for us. So sometimes I have intuition that shows up in my sleep or in the middle of the night or as I'm trying to go to sleep, right? Not always the most convenient time, but it can also show up when I'm daydreaming, when I'm focusing on something else. But the solution arrives often in what later I can describe as intuition. And it's not really that your brain is the creator of the message. It receives the message and delivers it. 
don't get me wrong, we've got powerful brains and they're they're responsible for creating a lot of things. But the way that I think about intuition is more that our brains act as a receptor of communication. Now, the power of intuition to me personally is critical in life and in business. And if you think that I'm wrong, think back to any time that you have had an inclination, a gut instinct, an intuitive hit, even if it was a very, very quick thought that flashes in the back of your mind, stays for a minute, and then you dismiss it. Later, maybe time passes, circumstances evolve, and you wish that you had done that thing. You wish that you had followed that path, implemented that idea, essentially followed your intuition. I think everybody can relate to that experience. That was an intuitive hit. And we can be reminded and really educated about what intuition looks like in our life by looking back on experiences, even when we didn't follow our intuition and pay attention to what those circumstances were. So now let's move on to talk about the power of paying attention to the invisible hand. And intuition and the invisible hand, in my mind, are closely connected to each other, right? The invisible hand is very, very closely connected to intuition. And they stem from the concept that I believe that we are all connected to each other, to the universe, to the life force, whatever you want to call it. We're all connected, and there are a variety of ways that we communicate. But when we're clear on something that we need, we're we're asking questions clearly, we're seeking for specific information, in my experience, the invisible hand often shows up to support us, and sometimes it includes when we're not paying attention. Sometimes we are paying attention, and it's helpful if we are. But because it's the invisible hand, we don't always know that what we are receiving is the solution. So let's talk about some examples of that. I actually had one recently, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the backstory. But essentially, in my, um, in my health life recently, I've been looking for a solution. I've had a, an ongoing issue, stemmed. It got really, really bad when I was pregnant. And um, anyways, it's, it's been an ongoing issue. And I was meeting again recently with my naturopath and something had come up. Basically, the solution to this problem had had popped up in an interesting way. And he smiled. We were on basically a Zoom call. He smiled and, and said, ah, the invisible hand. Now, that moment was such a sweet reminder to me of the way that the universe works. And it was also an affirmation of the truth that we are all connected and that there are solutions all around us if we are paying attention. There are opportunities all around us if we are paying attention. But they often show up not necessarily looking the way that we thought they would. So I wanted to share a couple of examples of intuition and the invisible hand and the way that they have shown up in my life. And really, as I walk through some of these stories, the questions I want you to ask yourself is that, you know, are there things that you are looking for, answers, solutions, information maybe that might have already appeared, might already be in your awareness, you just didn't recognize them? So what does intuition look like? Let's first start there. Um, My relationship to intuition 
started really young in my life. And I've got some stories. For those of you that know me already, you know that I'm a sucker for a good story. And I've got lots of stories. I like to tell people that I have lived life wide and deep. But intuition started young in my life. So I was about three years old when I had a particular experience. And as I, as I look back on this experience, I think this was my first really profound experience with intuition. And it's, it's kind of amazing for me to look back at that now because I have a daughter who is two and in just under three weeks, she's going to be turning three. And she's about the age that I was when I had this experience. But I was three. I was living in Idaho at the time. My parents were going out for the evening and they'd hired a babysitter. They had a church function or something to go to. And it would have been my brother and I. My younger sister was born, but I think that mom and dad took Ashley with them. And so Justin and I were at home. Justin was four. I was three. And I was young enough that I remember being verbal, but not as verbal as I wanted to be. And the other thing that I distinctly remember about that night is I was young enough that I was in full body PJs, the ones that go clear over your feet, right? The old school ones with little plastic footies and a zipper that zips all the way up. I still remember actually going to the local mall with my mom and choosing them out. They were pink and they had, you know, white little plastic feet on the underside and full body zipper. And I was in those PJs when our babysitter showed up and I was in the family room, which was right off of the main entryway. And I think I'd, you know, gotten out of a bath and I, my hair was wet and I was sitting on the sofa and our babysitter, turns out, was named Daryl. And to this day, I have a very, very negative, negative feeling associated with the name Daryl. So I apologize in advance to any Daryls out there who do not deserve my, you know, negative association to their name. But our babysitter was named Daryl. And the moment he showed up and literally walked into the family room and my mom was there and Daryl was from our church. Daryl was 16, which to me at the time, you know, he seemed like a man. I was three. So I just remember him feeling like a grown up, even though he was a teenager. And the moment he walked into the room, I knew that something was wrong with Daryl. I had a very, very strong feeling that he was not a safe person. And yet, I was young enough and not verbal enough to be able to describe the feeling that I was having to my parents. And so, Daryl came over and I think my hair was wet. Probably, um, I was holding a brush and he volunteered to brush my hair or told my mom that he would brush my hair for me. And it really felt like I didn't have a choice in the matter, but... I, I remember feeling like I was having a visceral reaction to him, like very, very adverse reaction. I did not want Daryl anywhere near me. And there he was brushing my hair. And so I sat there on the couch just feeling extraordinarily uncomfortable. And here my parents were getting ready and racing around and getting ready to leave us with Daryl. And um, long story short, you know, fast forward a little bit and I, you know, was getting ready to go to bed. I had gone potty by myself in the upstairs bathroom. I had brushed my teeth. And again, I was still little enough. I clearly recall 
you know, being small enough that I had to reach clear up with my hand, like visually look up to reach the door handle and open the bathroom door by myself. And when I opened it, Daryl was outside of the bathroom on his knees and he stopped me and asked me to zip down my PJs so he could see down there, right? And he, he pointed to my private parts, right? So I'm a three-year-old and basically there's a man outside of the bathroom and I, I lost it. I had very clear boundaries even as a little person and I went ballistic. I just remember screaming at the top of my lungs, yelling, no, 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 over and over and over. And I think my reaction scared Daryl. There, it's kind of a blur what happened after that, but he retreated and went downstairs. He was probably worried that Justin would be alerted, and Justin was still only four, but Daryl went downstairs, and I ran to my bedroom and closed the door and climbed up into my little twin bed and sat upright against the, the backboard of my bed, and the door was loose on the hinge. So for what felt like hours, I just sat upright holding my pillow and looking at that door. And whenever anybody walked around downstairs, that door would shake on the hinge. And I thought that Daryl was outside the door, wiggling the door. I was terrified. I literally fell asleep being terrified that night. Anyways, all of this is to say that you know, that was a very young age to have that kind of a reaction. And yet I knew from the minute that Daryl walked into a room that he was not a good person. And I knew that as a three-year-old. That is intuition. That didn't come from life experience. That came from an innate knowing, a communication from the universe, <laughs> right, in the form of intuition. And so for some people, intuition may start young like that. Certainly, we probably all have had experiences, whether or not we recognize them as intuition, they can start very young in life. And certainly our intuition grows and gets better with experience if we hone it, if we pay attention to it. But that was a really profound experience in my life. And the irony, you want to talk about the invisible hand. So the next day, like in regards to this particular experience, the next day, I was so tired. I think that falling asleep, um, I was so tired from, you know, being a little person and so stressed out and waiting for mom and dad to get home that the next day I could not remember anything about what had happened the day before. It was just like my mind was an empty slate. I felt like a little zombie walking around and I knew something was wrong, but couldn't figure out why I couldn't remember anything. And, you know, the invisible hand played a role that day in, in bringing, <laughs> essentially helping me to remember. And what happened is that that next evening, something again came up. And I remember sitting at the dinner table. I was on my dad's lap. So I was a little person, right? Three years old on my dad's lap. And mom and dad talked about, well, we need to find a babysitter last minute. They needed to go do this thing. I don't know if it was another church event or something else. And mom was standing across the kitchen by the phone on the wall. And she said, oh, well, why don't I just call Daryl again? Boom. The second she said his name, I had a full 
physical reaction. I flipped backwards, arched backwards on my dad's lap. I started screaming and crying hysterically. I remember my mom froze. She was holding the phone that was attached to a cord on the wall and she froze and looked at me and looked at my dad and she just put the phone right back on the wall. And somehow they got me to calm down and I'm sure they got me to tell the story. Anyways, long story short, Daryl went on to become a police officer (laughs) of all things, but it was a really, obviously a very poignant experience in my early life about the power of intuition. And it's one that I look back on and, you know, realize like intuition is in all of us. Intuition has consistently played a role in certain decisions in my life. So for example, law school, I look at how did I make the decision to go to law school? It was never actively a known option on my path. I didn't know any attorneys. I'd never once thought about becoming an attorney, you know, growing up, like never considered it. And here I was in my last, essentially my last year of school. And I enrolled in a couple of courses. And this might have been where intuition played a role, right? I enrolled both in a business law class and a writing class where at the at the end of that class we had to write basically you know a, a big paper and i decided to write mine on legal ethics now who knows why i chose legal ethics but it was a choice that i made and the overlap of those two things at the same time opened the door to law potentially being a, pa- a path now the invisible hand came in in that particular scenario Because my mom actually just had a conversation with me one day. I I was talking with her about not wanting any more business schooling, right? I had done a double major in finance and economics. I'd added economics. During my third or fourth year of school, I had a really heavy class load. And I knew that I wanted more education, but I didn't want more business. I felt like I'd really maxed out my business training for the time being. And so... My mom just said to me, Heather, have you thought about going to law school? And that was the first time that I actually thought about it. Even though I was in a business law class, even though I was writing a big paper on legal ethics, still hadn't crossed my mind to actually consider going to law school. And so in that particular story, the invisible hand was my mom simply asking the question, have you considered law school? And once I sat with that, and explored it. Like in a matter of a few days, it went from being a total unknown in my life to suddenly being my path. It fit. And as I looked into it and I reached out and talked to a couple of lawyers, it fit. So that ended up being a new choice. Another example of the invisible hand, and this one actually intuition and the invisible hand, this is, um, you know, also the thing I want to point out about the invisible hand is does not always make our lives easier. (laughs) Though I firmly believe the universe is here to support us. And that's in part what the the invisible hand does. Doesn't always do it through the smoothest path. We're here to learn things. We're here to grow. We're here to evolve. And so the invisible hand also sometimes hands us things that are pretty tough or um, opens our, our eyes to things that are pretty tough. And 
one of these examples was my first marriage. And, you know, truthfully, looking back, I didn't have any business being married at the time. But, you know, we all make our mistakes. (laughs) And this one, this would have been six or seven years into our relationship, although only about one, you know, one and a half years into the marriage, which was really short, thankfully. But things were hard. Our relationship was not good. It just felt that the best way for me to describe it, there was a song that I came across at the time. Actually, it's a mini driver song, but she talks about, you know, in the context of relationship, somebody being a tree and somebody being a vine. And I felt like the tree. I felt like I was carrying the weight of that relationship and like my knees, my legs were down into the mud, you know, up to my knees, up to my thighs. Like it was hard work and I was carrying the weight of both of us and trying to do the work in that relationship. You know, one of the flaws in my personality is that I am determined to the nth degree. And certainly, like most people, I did not get married so that I could get divorced. But I I would have stuck with that relationship had this thing not happened. And um, and I'll tell you what that was. But along the way, right, I had a friend or two a little ways into this ask me, well, do you think he's cheating on you? Right? That was the invisible hand. I didn't recognize it at the time because like I knew we had our struggles. I knew we had problems, but I was certain that infidelity was not one of them. And I was like, oh no, no. I mean, we're having a hard time, but that's not it. Like really dismissed it out of hand, right? And so that was the invisible hand, but I didn't recognize it. And at that time I didn't follow up and it it really would have only been a short month or two later. You know, we continued in therapy. We continue to try to talk about things. And it literally just felt like we were getting nowhere. I was getting nowhere. I had no additional insights into what was going on. You know, I was doing what our therapist said to do and nothing was changing. And I, I thought we had a pretty decent therapist to this day. I really like him, but, um, but nothing was changing. Nothing was resolving. And so Moving forward in this story to the point of intuition, one day I was sitting and I, I, was, I had a downtown law office at the time. I was literally sitting in the middle of a meeting with about five other people on a sizable project. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this thought hit, right? And we're talking about an intuitive hit. You need to be inside of his email. And it was just like clear as a bell, like, okay, I need to apparently be inside of his email. And what I believe is that the universe was ready for me to understand what was going on. I'd been doing the work. Things had been very, very challenging. This cast a whole heavy layer over my life. And the universe here again was the invisible hand. The universe in conjunction with my intuition was really ready for me to understand what was going on. And so I literally sat in the meeting and I was like, huh, okay, I guess I need to be inside of his email. And in that moment, I'd never hacked somebody's email before. And in that moment, like what came to mind was his his first email through the University of Washington. We'd both been University of Washington students. And I pulled up the login, put in his email address, first guess on the password, which was a combination of numbers that came from his old debit card I happened to know the PIN number of. 
and then something else. I can't remember what the the letter portion of the equation was at this point, but literally my first guess on his password, I'm into his email account. And what I knew is that that was one account and that he also had a Gmail account. And so with that first account open, I went and hacked into the Gmail account, right? Reset the password. The email got sent to the first email address at UW. I reset the password and suddenly I was sitting inside of two email accounts. And what I learned was that he was sending emails from one account and he had told the woman that he was seeing to email him at a third account, a third Gmail account or a third email account that also was in Gmail. And so I hacked the third account. In a matter of minutes, my world went from being hard and confusing and, you know, seven years of relationship with this person to suddenly having clarity, having total insights into what was going on and what had been going on. And I'm sitting in this meeting with four or five other people at this table and I literally just excuse myself. I get up, I go back to my individual office, sat with the reality of what was happening inside of this email account. But to this day, I wonder what would have happened if I had just ignored that intuition, ignored that very clear thought of you need to be inside of his email account, like right then. And what happened is that set in motion then a series of things that very, very quickly (laughs) caused our relationship to come to an end, which is exactly what needed to happen. And within a couple of weeks, even though it was a really um, tumultuous few weeks from an emotional and uh, processing standpoint, within a few weeks, I could recognize the gift of what had happened. Not only his infidelity, but the way that I'd been able to figure it out. And I just saw that there was a point in time where I needed to know the truth. And that was the way that it showed up. But in my life, that was a really clear combination of intuition and the invisible hand working in conjunction to provide me with the truth. There's a lot more to that story. It's actually a pretty funny story (laughs) years later. And even months later, it's a very funny story. I will tell that on another episode. But um, that particular unraveling, the getting inside of his email and seeing very, very clearly what had gone on was exactly what needed to happen. Another example, um, just in case these are helpful for you to relate to your own life about how intuition and the invisible hand works. As a mom, so my path to motherhood, mm, the best way to describe it is really tumultuous. It was challenging. It was physically hard. It was emotionally hard. It was a very trying time. But when we got our son Aiden, and that happened on our third pregnancy, you know, he was a healthy, happy baby. Things were great with him. I had no, once he was here, I had no cause for concern. And yet, Early on in his journey, with my in conversation with my pediatrician, for whatever reason, I remember asking her several times about autism and about the signs and what to watch for. And we had none of those. She had never raised it independently. You know, none of what we learned or read about autism was a fit for him. But for whatever reason, in my mind as a mom, it was a concern. 
And I asked about it several times. And interestingly enough, our pediatrician was actually married to one of the leading um, autism experts in Seattle at the time, also another doctor. And she just like dismissed outright, like, nope, that's not, no, not even a concern, not a worry, you know, not a thing with Aiden. And so our, our path continued. And yet, fast forward a couple of years, when Aiden was in preschool, when he started to become school age and we were putting him into some uh, preschool programs, there were some definite struggles that came out and that caused him and us a lot of heartache with his peers and in the context of a classroom setting. And as other kids began to age out of certain developmental behaviors, Aiden didn't. And the struggle continued and things just felt hard. I just remember for years under, you know, especially that two to three to four age, like things just felt tremendously hard. And he was bright. He was very socially motivated. He was athletically very capable. There were not any red flags. I mean, we visited therapists, many, many therapists. We talked to teachers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And at every stop along the way, the answer was no, 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 there's nothing wrong. He's just a very bright, precocious child. And while I think that's true, I also could not dismiss my intuition that was telling me there's something else there. This is harder than it should be and or harder than I will say it is for the average person. As I looked around and talked with other parents and saw the experiences of other children, I just was very keenly aware about how challenged we felt. And so we continued to pursue avenues for getting help and helping and trying to really understand Aiden better. And eventually, you know, and this was right before Aiden turned five. And unfortunately, by this point, he'd already been excluded from many opportunities for social support, social and behavioral support. Even as people with means, I think of my husband and I, you know, we're not without resources. And I was asking all the right questions, but I look back on that journey and I just have such a big heart for parents that, you know, are overwhelmed with life or don't have resource, resources or means to look around or to call on support. Because even with means, even asking the right kind of questions, that was a long, hard journey. By the time we actually got Aiden connected with the kind of support that he needed, he was almost five. He had like eight weeks basically of preschool left and he ended up with a diagnosis of autism, which even then surprised us. But that came from a therapist who had many, many years of working with children and had had the chance to observe him for almost a year, twice a week in group classes. And most kids would go once a week, but because Aiden didn't have any other social outlets, I put him in twice a week as we continued to struggle to try to find preschools that would keep him in, in, enrolled. He got kicked out basically of like three different preschools. And it was just a very, very challenging time. So here we were and Aiden's almost five and we've received a diagnosis of autism. And I look back and connect the dots both to intuition and how challenging it was to stay on that path, right? But there was a lot that we learned and there was a lot of examples along the way of the invisible hand showing up and helping us connect the dots to certain resources that would help on that journey. So 
that's just one more very, very clear example in my life where intuition was at play. And I'm really, really grateful that I was able to see it and pay attention to it, even when others were trying to dissuade me from that, even when professionals and doctors and people who I should trust were saying, no, no, that's not an issue, right? And then one final example, back to that one around help right? My, my naturopath saying, oh, the invisible hand. And I think he and I, I mean, and I've, I've gotten to know him better over the years, but I think we have very similar worldviews. And essentially what had happened is this issue, I had really, really severe gastrointestinal and um, esophageal reflux during my daughter's pregnancy. So bad, in fact, that I got a cold one time and it turned into a cough and I was coughing so frequently and I was also, you know, seven months pregnant. What my doctors didn't know is that I was aspirating stomach acid. I was coughing and my esophageal sphincter wasn't closing. And so I was aspirating um, stomach acid. And so I, I went through basically three back-to-back rounds of pneumonia and they couldn't figure out why. And it caused such extreme esophageal burning. Like it just literally burned out my esophagus. There was a month at the end of her pregnancy that I could not sleep for a solid month, even for five minutes. I I literally spent my time around the clock drinking water, sipping tea, having like doing everything possible to keep my esophagus cleared. What happens, you've got You've got two kinds of cells, actually, both um, in in your throat, but certainly in your in your stomach, and where your esophageal sphincter is supposed to close off your upper stomach from your esophagus and keep stomach acid from going back up. Mine was not doing the job, but um, you have cells that create mucus, and so I was having acid coming back up my throat, and it was just like this massive overproduction of mucus and then a very, very inflamed throat. And so I had a difficult time breathing. I couldn't eat food. I couldn't swallow. I had to go on a pure liquid diet. I was losing weight instead of putting on weight, you know, growing this baby. It was a very, very traumatic and stressful time. And my doctors couldn't figure it out. And finally, they ended up putting me on an, uh, an acid blocker towards the end of the pregnancy, which began to provide some healing. Still wasn't the full solution, right? And here I am a couple years later and still trying to figure out the full solution. And so a few months ago, you know, I'm having some issues again with swallowing and something just is not getting rebalanced. And I order some supplements in the mail, and in the box comes a bottle of HCL, which is hydrochloric acid. And I'm looking at the bottle, and I literally had the thought, like, hmm, I wonder if I need this. I wonder if this could be the solution to my stomach and esophageal issues, right? And But it passes quickly. It's kind of like, hmm, for whatever reason, I moved on or I dismissed it. I didn't go research that bottle, that supplement. And I'd also been working in conjunction with my naturopath. And the next week I had a meeting and we were talking again about my symptoms and how I was feeling. And he said for the first time, like, you know, and I've worked with him for years. He said, you know, you're young for this, but I actually wonder if you're not producing enough stomach acid. He said, there are certain things 
and especially really stressful events in the body that can actually basically cause a depletion of the cells. You've got two kinds of cells in your stomach, ones that create stomach acid in the lining of your stomach and ones that create mucus, right? So they work in tandem. And he said, you might have depleted the cells that create stomach acid. And what happens is then your esophageal sphincter doesn't close all the way. So we were having this conversation and he said to me, have you ever taken HCL? And I smiled at him and I laughed and I said, guess what showed up in the mail by accident last week? He said, a bottle of HCL. And he looked at me and he just smiled and he said, ah, the invisible hand. Anyways, and I mentioned that briefly before, but it was definitely an affirmation of the fact that we are connected as people, as a universe, like we are all connected. And sometimes things show up as the solution. And because of the way they show up, because it's through the invisible hand, we don't always recognize that as the solution. So I just, the whole point of this episode, the reason I recorded this episode is really to ask the question, what are you needing What support are you looking for? What questions are you asking? And is it possible that the solution is already there, that the answer is already there, that the invisible hand has already been tapping at the glass, right? In the same way that my friends who asked, you know, about my ex-husband, is he cheating on you, right? Tapping on the glass. In the same way that I'm sure HCL has crossed my path before because there were one or two times I had a conversation with my acupuncturist about it. There was one other time that I went to research it because I remember standing in a store looking at a bottle of it, right? Tapping at the glass. And I think that sometimes we just don't know to look and examine the thing and recognize it as the solution. But Is it possible that if you're needing information, if you're needing support, if you're asking questions, that you've already actually had some intuitive hits and that maybe you've dismissed them or you haven't taken a second look or like me, they kind of went through the back of your brain and you forgot to focus on them in that moment and do something about it and they just moved on through? So what can we do? I think at this point, really, it's about practicing paying attention giving ourselves a few minutes each day to ask questions, to ask for what we need, and then also to let it go, to let our brains let go and be free of all of the work of doing some of the, you know, the analytical problem solving ourselves, and to give, instead, to give ourselves permission to recognize what shows up in response to that ask. And then our job is to test any answers, any information that we receive, any surprise gifts against our intuition and to really trust our gut instincts around that. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Again, this is a topic I care a lot about. Even though I shared a lot of experiences from my personal life about intuition, it shows up in our business as well. And When I look at a lot of client scenarios that I've been asked to get involved with, oftentimes, and I do a lot of teaching around what I call red flag scenarios. And so one of the questions I ask clients or people in workshops when I'm teaching a workshop is, what scenarios have you had in the past that you want to avoid moving forward? And we look at those scenarios. And oftentimes, 
intuition has played a role, right? People will reflect back and say, oh yeah, I spotted this or I saw that or I recognized it as a red flag and I ignored it. I didn't do anything about it. I didn't follow up on it. I didn't create my boundary, right? I didn't yell, no, 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 at the top of my lungs. Not that we have to do that in regards to every scenario, but so much of intuition is also learning to trust ourselves, trust our experience, trust our filters, and that gets better the more that we practice. So I really hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I really hope you give yourself room to practice paying attention in your life and in your business to be able to rely on intuition and recognize when it's showing up, recognize when the invisible hand is giving you a gift, and to be able to make the next right decision. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm wishing you a great week, and I hope you'll join me again next week. Same day, same time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.